This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about the money, boys! Here we go again. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Fatigue. I am your host, and I am joined with Gabe Green, as well as another friend, Josh Berkey. What is up? Hey, it's great to have you on, man. Um, so you are hailing from the uh, Victims and Villains podcast. I want you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your show. So my show is really simple. We are the marriage between pop culture and suicide prevention. And I'm really, pa- as far as myself, I'm just really passionate about um, pop culture, horror, and mental health. <laughs> a very interesting concept. So, uh, so like, what what is your show kind of uh, you know, specialize in? Well, I was gonna say like the show like we we just did a convention this past weekend, and we're it's really interesting doing conventions, and when you're starting to tell people a little bit about the show, and they start asking, well, what kind of things do you guys do? And like looking at just June alone, um, we did uh, a couple horror episodes. We did E3 with video games. We did a um, like a suicide survivor secondhand story we did a uh we did when when they see us from netflix and did the you know central park five and then we pulled out some of like social justice themes and just uh kind of like really dug into like the justice system here in america currently um then we also covered like toy story four and like dug into some of their mental health themes so like our show is a is a show that has something for everyone because suicide is something that everyone can go through depression is something that can hit everyone at their core and we want to create content that is available for everyone so that anyone can pick up our podcast and hear you have value and you have worth and we are meeting you at your passions to let you know that that is really cool um, so this week, uh, we're going to be taking a break from the MCU. Uh, Josh reached out to us about doing a crossover with the, uh, the original 1988 Child's Play and then the 2019 remake. So this episode, it'll just be a short mini-sode. We're going to talk about the uh, 1988 original Child's Play. And then uh, if you want to hear more, you can hop over to uh, the Victims and Villains feed and get a longer discussion on the uh, 2019 film. So uh, moving into... This one. Uh, let's just start with you, uh, Josh. What are your thoughts overall on the uh, 1998 Child's Play? It it doesn't hold up as well as I as I would like it to be. I mean, it's one of the stronger within the franchise because I ended up ultimately watching all eight before this new one, and so uh, it, I think that it has a uh, it retains a lot of like cool ideas, but not necessarily always the best best executed if that makes sense yeah so for, i actually have not seen any of the other sequels uh, this, like when you when you reached out to us i hadn't seen any of them so i, I watched the original and then watched the, the uh, remake um and for me ha- having a, a bit of experience with 80 the 80 slasher films you know all the uh, friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street i think this one it holds up fairly well you know i, I think it holds up you know better than the majority of 80 slashers, maybe not like the greats and the, you know, the, your, your Halloweens, I think the original Nightmare on Elm Street, it's not quite there. But I think as far as how 80 slashers are usually pretty terrible, I think this one, this one has stood up pretty well over time. What about you, James? Yeah. So um, one thing that surprised me was was its tone. I, you know, because of how many 80 slasher movies we have, 
you kind of get used to the same kind of format. And this was way more of a slow burn, mm-hmm. uh, w- a much quieter movie than the average 80s slasher. And honestly, it even feels weird calling it a slasher because of how many like kills we actually see. And like the first major kill isn't even, uh, it's it's not a you know it's a it's a guy blowing up in a house and and we don't even see it. So it's way more reserved, and that was something I appreciated. It felt a lot more along the lines of of Carpenter's original Halloween as opposed to, you know, all of the uh, Friday the 13th sequels and everything. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I thought it was, it was a bit refreshing. Um, however, uh, I I ended up liking it only okay because I think in, in the, the third act, I think the effects hold up surprisingly well for the most part. Like, uh they do you know with using like doubles as well as some like pretty great stop motion i'm guessing and and some weird like anime i'm not sure how like uh some of like the hand reaching out the facial stuff is crazy like i I, i'm guessing that's mostly animatronics maybe a bit of stop motion but whatever it is it looks good yeah this is a franchise that has continued doing to has continued doing stop or not stop motion, but uh, animatronics. Uh, even the, with this new one, they I think it was something like eighty percent of the Chucky that you see on the screen was eighty was animatronics. So that it, the animatronics is like almost like a cornerstone for this franchise, um, and they have some of the best puppeteers doing some of these films. Yeah, and so it looked really cool. Um, I the third act is kind of where it starts. You know, you've got the idea like. He's not really holding on to anything. They're holding him up to their own face, and as they kind of flail about, and so the serious tone that they they're going for, instead of you know, like they're not embracing all of the as much of the camp and just like the the slasher gore. For I, so, I sort of think they are towards the end. Yeah, though. and but that's where like where he where, where she's like talking to him and he just explodes. Whatever you he's just like cussing at her like. I think they're they're kind of acknowledging just how stupid and ridiculous this yeah, is. Yeah, but I think because of that weird balance, that that's where I don't know. It's it's better than a lot of probably the, most of the the Friday the Thirteenth films and and several of the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. But what those have that this really doesn't is just like that sheer stupidity, start to finish, ridiculous kills from like its first ten minutes, and it even like they're all pretty bad, but they're consistently entertaining and. And like I said, I like the first half of this film, but as it kind of loses its more serious tone, it still doesn't really deliver on on the kinds of, of kills and, and fun of the, the franchise or this kind of genre, uh, except like burnt up Chucky chasing him is terrifying. Like that's where it gets me back. <laughs> If I can, I think that uh, I totally agree with James, and that was my biggest problem going back and rewatching it this time. This was like the first time I'd rewatched it in probably like five or six years, but I noticed that like it is a really slow burn, and like that they have this like very slow, almost kind of like a crawl pace. It's a beautiful buildup for these first two acts, and then once you kind of get that Chucky reveal, it's like, all right. Let's go fast and furious and let's just ridiculous this and let's just dive all in and it it that tone completely changes and the climax just feels rushed and even some of the inconsistencies I, I feel like uh, in the way that they portrayed death was something that kind of got caught me off guard this time. I don't know if you guys caught that, but like going back and, and watching it, it someone 
gets scared and, and falls out of a window but dies and yet someone flips over a car and walks out with a scratch no <laughs> flames like i was like what are the rules of this universe because it doesn't make any sense yeah and um i mean i think that's just indicative of the overall thing you're like whenever you're building a more like self-serious kind of film for the first half you've got to acknowledge the fact that falling out of a window you know is, is going to kill you like that but once once you've got a walking, talking, like, kid's toy running around and, you know, cussing out people and stuff, then it's like the film feels like it can do that. It's like, well, no, you can't You can't do it. You could have done that if this is how you started, but you, you kind of opened up in a, in a different way. And and I just, I also found, like, the, the narrative reveals felt very different. Where, like, it, you know, the origin and stuff, we've got... The, I kind of like that he just starts using this enchantment or, or this spell or whatever um, without any explanation of the audience of what it is. Like, we've just got to expect that it's going to come back up. Um, and then the movie, and like, we're not told, he doesn't speak about, you know, I've got to go kill this guy. We hear so-and-so is is out. Uh, he was involved in this crime. And we see that amazing shot of just Chucky on the couch in the background, which is really creepy. And he goes and, like, it's it's not really, like, spoon-feeding you anything. Like, it's moving in a, a pretty, like, well-done way in, in terms of how it gives information. And then I just found, like, the reveal of, uh, of where he got the powers and everything. Like, it, it just turn, turns out to be something, like, really hokey in its presentation and stuff. Like, the the guy, because I was like, I told you not to use this for evil. It's, it's it just, I don't know. It feels like it becomes a different movie. They well, and I guess this is kind of like one of those things that, like, maybe it's like you you have like a first time out kind of thing, and you you were kind of like, well, how where do we get this? Where does he get this from? And then it's just like, I don't know. Let's just do voodoo, and it it from a from a fan of the franchise, it definitely gets better developed not i mean it takes years for it to get better developed but like Kirsten and colt which are the latest two episodes from the franchise they do a terrific job at really showcasing kind of his origins kind of how he met this voodoo priest and started to really understand the power of it and they the sequels up until between child's play and then curse of chucky like they just kind of make a joke and a mockery out of it. Um, it definitely, like for two and three, it definitely feels just redundant and repetitive, and they definitely lose a lot of their charm. So that the the hoax that you see in the the last act here, it it they milk that puppy pretty long. Hmm. Um. So like, just going to the series overall, what is it about this series that I drew you to it, Josh? And you want you wanted to talk about it, like. Like what? What is it about this series in particular and the concept that you like? Um, I mean, I'm just I I love horror. I don't know what it is specifically about the horror genre. I grew up in a pretty strict Christian household, <laughs> similar to Eric Skrzynski that you guys have had on here a couple times, and so like me and him kind of have like almost like that similar background to where like we grew up like really strict households, and so is like once you turn 18, it's like. What are these things that have been taboo for me for years? I'm going to go up and do. I remember being 18 and every one of my friends was like, uh, I'm going to buy cigarettes. I'm I'm going to buy porn. I was like, I'm going to get a Blockbuster. 
uh, <laughs> card, and I'm going to rent some horror movies. See you guys. My plan sounds cooler. And so I was like really starting to kind of like explore a lot of my these roots that I in in cinema that I had been denied for all these years. Getting into a lot of like Hitchcock's early work and like Kubrick, and then kind of starting to get into like Craven and you know um, Mancini, who is the child's play guy, and also Carpenter as well, and just really kind of starting to really dive into it. And each one I always kind of felt like had their had their influence and really had their own voice that they wanted to 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 say. And Chucky has kind of always been those guys that I didn't I didn't appreciate. I felt like until I got older. It had always been kind of, um, I don't know, like he had always been kind of like that annoying character because you have essentially two two different Chuckies. You have the one that we have here in Child's Play that is this voodoo killer doll, and then he kind of slowly, de- like he slowly just kind of develops into this slapstick dark comedy um similar to the way that kind of the trajectory of most slasher villains which is the the way that they also did with with freddy and when you're able to return that character to their to their roots you're better you're able to better produce better content and child's play i think is is just a franchise that it as it as it grew and as it kind of developed it went through that really dark period and then it got like a lot better so the, the later installments are more more along the lines of the original as far as tone yeah yeah so okay. like the the that's why like i would say if you guys really liked this one or like even want to see a little bit more of it like the last two that he did are really good in terms of storytelling because they have that slow burn but Mancini has been able to really perfect his art as a writer and as a creator because the issues that he has in this one with kind of the wrap up clean third act, he definitely he definitely perfects that a little bit better. Um and and it, it doesn't feel as rushed. Um and him because I, I think the last two videos the last two movies he's done have gone straight to video. So, uh, you know, whereas this one was a 90 minute theatrical release, this one was like a hundred and I want to say like, I want to say like a hundred minutes. So it's an hour 40. So 10 more minutes of just storytelling really fleshes out. the. And I think that's honestly what this film could have done. If it would, would have just had 10 more minutes, you could have been talking about an arguably better film. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I think you use that movie to, or you use that extra bit to expound a bit, because we just get one real scene that covers, you know, origin, and and I don't think this movie has to do a deep dive into its own mythology in its first outing, but I don't know. It, it it's just weird that the the slow reveal of of Chucky, in ter- even in just in ter- his speech, you know, we don't hear him talk is just for so long. And then we get to the like the actual how it's it's like a sing, singular scene of of exposition and yeah just feels a bit off. Yeah, well, for me actually, I think the thing that really made me appreciate this movie is the the focus we get on the characters. I think the acting is a, a de- like a notch better than 
you know, pretty much any other 80s slasher or most of them. It's got Humperdinck. Yeah, it's got Humperdinck in there. Chris Randon. Um, I think the, the mother, the mother's good. The, the kid actor is actually pretty decent. Like he's not Jamie Lloyd from like the Halloween, Halloween sequels, but like he's as far as like 80s kid actors go, he's kind of like a revelation almost. Um, even like the other uh, babysitter, or the aunt, whatever her, just her friend, like the characters, they have real life and personality to them. And it just feels like there's really good dynamics. Just the mother, you know, tr- the single mother trying to take care of her kid. Like it's just good human characters to connect with, which so many of the 80s slashers simply don't have. And it just made it a lot more watchable. And then you, you guys talked about the, the slow burn. I really appreciated that. One, one sequence that really impressed me was when uh, Andy, and I can't, I can't believe the kid's name is Andy, um, which also on a weird note, I saw the, the 1988 ch- Child's Play, Toy Story 4, and then the Child's Play remake, all in like a three-day period. Very, very Same. strange. Same. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd whiplash. But uh, yeah, the kid's name is Andy. But uh, like when he leaves school and just gets on the train with the doll, and he, we have no idea what he's doing, where he's going, we, we, we know that the doll is somehow influencing him. It's like, it's really kind of disturbing. And it's just, it's very well played. Um, I think the, the, the director, uh, Tom Holland, a, d- a different Tom Holland, um, does a really good job. Definitely. In that first half, just kind of building the dread. And we don't actually see Chucky killing him. Like when, when, when the babysitter dies, it's kind of from Chucky's perspective. And so we, we don't see him actually do anything. So it kind of builds that paranoia. And like, are we crazy? Is this actually happening? Um, I think with, with a lot more restraint than the 80s slasher genre usually had, which I think is is kind of really builds that uh, that narrative of terror all that better, because you look at, say, a nightmare on Elm Street and you're opening up with Freddy right in the title sequence. Right. But, you know, where then you look at something like um, both uh to Friday the 13th films, which is the other huge 80 slasher franchise. And they also kind of have that slow burn. There's not that reveal of, you know, Pamela or Jason until like the last like 20, like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this one, like I, I think that, you know, just that little pitter patter of shoes, it, you're, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, am I, am I going crazy? And then that reveal is, in the end, it's more effective um, because of the camera work that you're you're having during that babysitter sequence. Mm-hmm. And the the whole like the parents don't believe the kid. Like normally that it 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 starts to get to where like the parents just seem like idiots. And maybe towards the end a little bit, uh, but in this one they actually like a doll killed your friend. Uh huh. Sure. Like the disbelief feels natural. Yeah, and I I really do. That's something that I notice as well. Um, and and like the way that the film actually gives credibility to the idea that it's just in his head, you know, because he's he's wearing the uh, the shoes themselves, you know, he's he's got the pajamas that have those same patterns there. Um, he's obsessed with the doll. The doll just got you. Like, there's reason to believe this, you know. And I I like that the parents, like the adults in the film aren't waiting until like the very end of the film, like up until like the last moment to actually see it. And so, you know, it's cause there's, if that goes on too long, there's just a big level of frustration that comes with that. But I think the moments where like, they really, well, especially for the guy who, who experiences a, an attack in his car, 
Which, why doesn't he just stop the car and get out? <laughs> I was thinking that the whole time. Although I was thinking that while at the same time completely clenching my body with the whole stabbing through underneath the seats and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, me on edge. Yeah, I totally agree. But uh, And to, to continue, like not to be completely negative for the film, there are definitely other things I enjoyed. And one of them was what you had mentioned earlier, Gabe, which is just that the acting, you know, while not amazing, really does feel like like people care about this movie. Uh, and they're actually like, trying to to write characters and not just, you know, stand-ins for deaths. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the genre. And, you know, it, it's there is something enjoyable about just turning on a movie where everybody's an idiot and the fun is just like watching them slowly get killed off. But uh, one like this kind of uh, reminded me of my experience with um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, where... I was doing the opposite of what I usually do in this uh, in this kind of film where I'm often just, you know, in a morbid way rooting for the serial killer because we're kind of here for the crazy deaths and everything. And all of these all of these are just stupid people and blah, 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 kind of like they're manufactured to die in the film. But with the death of the babysitter, I'm like, man, this is like they did a good job of setting up their friendship, you know, like he calls her aunt, you know, and everything. And and the. She she's comfortable enough with him to like to be stern with him, but you can tell that they're like she loves him like a nephew, and and so the first act really makes the world feel real. Like these are actual people; these weren't fabrications written in a writer's room that are just going to be like that exist to die. Like it's it's an actual world, uh, and I did appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I think just the core concept of this movie is so just cool and compelling. Like a serial killer through voodoo puts his his consciousness in this doll and like that's just such a crazy concept um and brad dorf is like the quintessential creep so he is just perfect for this role and he's obviously having a lot of fun when he's voicing the character um and he's he's in all the sequels up until the the, uh, remake right yeah he is the voice of chucky and even with this upcoming sci-fi series he's going him and don mancini are going to be continuing the storyline that they've been telling throughout the years and I really appreciate, um, you know, I because I Googled it and I was, I was kind of curious, like Brad Dorf is, I think to most people, he is the voice of Chucky. But to some people, a worm tongue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to, to some people also, he is, you know, um, that dude whose name I can't pronounce. Um, I know who you're talking about, um, but he's also was in the Rob Zombie uh, Halloween movies, and he's done uh, a lot of other horror films. But he's also a guy that is, um, you know, trained. Uh, he's a he's a really well trained actor, and I think that you you get to see that for uh, a, just a brief period. Um, I mean, it's it's a little bit on like the insanity side, but just to kind of see him as Charles Lee Ray in the flesh for that first five ten minutes was was something that i really enjoyed um going back and and just being able to revisit because he brings such an intensity to that character and chucky gets really silly and really goofy in some of the sequels but here he is not only really scary but there's also an intense there's also this charisma about him as a character and he is i think the reason that 
I love this franchise so much, and the reason that I come back and visit is simply because of Brad Dorf. Um, s- similar to the way that, uh, not and not to not that you know to compare it to another franchise, but like Jackie Earl Haley did an incredible job as as Freddy Krueger. Many fans don't say that because he wasn't Robert England, but Robert England is. That's the reason why fans go to the Nightmare franchise is because of England. I don't think it's necessarily because of the stories because the majority of those just kind of get crazier and crazier. Um, But for the most part, like he is that icon of that series. And I would dare to mention, I would dare to say that that's why people keep coming back. And similar to Child's Play, Don Mancini and Brad Dwarf are, the reasons that people keep coming back to it. And this is right here is bedrock for that franchise. And you definitely get to see a lot of those core identities of who Chucky is brought to life here. And they're fascinating to, to see here at the bedrock and then kind of how to see they evolve later on in the franchise. Yeah. I was going to bring up uh, the comparison to, to England as Krugor. You know, that's just, that's such a benefit to these films where, you know they weren't always afforded the the best acting and the you know the the very best effect. Although the effects of both Nightmare on Elm Street and Chucky are actually like I think the effects hold up surprisingly well. Um, but you know despite that they're not every aspect of of the film is not up to the highest quality. You know um, you know it, even with acting, but it, it's just such a such a strength to have like your lead be a guy who really knows the stuff and can like keep uh keep attention and and uh, you have that one guaranteed like compelling presence in the film um so let's all just run through and give our final thoughts and our star rating out of five for this film let's start with you josh uh so i would actually get i gave this when we reviewed it on our website i gave it a three and a half and i think it's 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 got a lot of good in it it, it has a really strong cast uh, Brad Dorf is amazing in this film. Catherine Hicks is really good. Chris and Chris uh, Saradin is really good. Um, it does a really good job at the buildup and the pacing of the film, but it kind of just really falls apart. Uh, the animatronics are really good, but that final act is really what brings it down for um, for me. It's just a climaxes, the inconsistencies in some of the storytelling, and just that again like james was saying is that tonal shift in in the the last act of it that kind of throws it off and and keeps it from being better than it 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 could have been and what about you james uh yeah pretty much the same thing i i really appreciate the first two acts um i think in terms of filmmaking uh it's a lot stronger than a lot of uh, a lot of other films in the genre like Sometimes with films like this, it, it seems like a guy doesn't even really know just the, the a lot of different aspects of filmmaking where you just kind of show up and you shoot a camera and you move scene to scene, kill to kill. There's like attention to detail uh, here in a way that you don't see in a lot of the others. But again, like I can't help, but often my, my final thoughts on a film are going to be most strongly affected by where it leaves me. And uh, just the the holding him up to the face, the tripping over everything, like him getting hit by the umbrella and like knocked out, and and w- he, I think he he passes out and wakes up twice in, in the final act. Um, so there's just a bit of like there's just you know a good bit of silliness that ends up coming in that I feel like betrays the movie that came before. Um, I I give it a a three out of five. I I do think it has some strengths that have to be acknowledged. Um, 
but it it kind of it stumbles you know pretty pretty significantly for me at the end all right well i am uh, at three and a half stars uh just to echo all your thoughts i i, I really appreciate they, they went the extra mile and gave us you know compelling characters that i like spending time with like it's it's amazing how much uh more inclined i am to like a movie if i like being with the people and that was the case here so yeah it's it's a solid film obviously a great concept they've made you know 15 sequels or whatever uh so it's, it's a great concept great you know great voice actor uh just you know i'd say a slightly above average 80s horror flick it's a lot of fun so uh josh thanks for coming on uh you want to you know plug your show again real quick sure yeah, you guys can find us everywhere at Victims and Villains. And if you guys go to victimsandvillains.net, you guys can uh, not only get all of our reviews, all of our podcast episodes that we do, uh, but you guys can also get suicide prevention resources. So if you're listening to this and you know someone who's struggling or you know someone that's struggling, you guys can just find it all in one place. It's victimsandvillains.net along with all of our social media. Yep, but as I said before, if you want to hear us talk about more Chucky, you can head over there and we'll have an episode on the uh, 2019 film. Uh, what about you, James? Where can, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me mainly on Letterboxd and there is JL Hamry. It's J-L-H-A-M-R-I. Uh, and over on Facebook at uh, The Outer Rim, a Star Wars group, uh, we are currently going through all of Star Wars, at least all of the cinematic Star Wars, and we're coming up on the tail end of Clone Wars, and we're doing all this in uh, leading up to Rise of Skywalker. So if you're having your own marathon or you just want to talk about Star Wars with other people, uh, feel free to join us over there. And uh, I am also on Letterboxd, and there's Gabriel Green. You can follow me on Twitter at Gabe A. Green. And on Instagram as Gabe the Great Green. Um, so next week I will go back to the MCU with Captain America: The First Avenger, which we've actually already recorded uh, a couple days back. I think it's a fun episode. <laughs> All right. So until next week, uh, we will see you in the sequel. This is the end, friends.